So full energy from bed right here Cause they're my enemies Subscribe and like, rate and review Your hosts of the day be Couple guests too We're gonna win a trophy when overdue Can we do the double make it deja vu It's a move London thing Third one is only on the wing Harry's one of our own nine and in He's only got one E but let's see the king And we got Delhi Ali that's talking With the show side, with the show side With the show side's what we sing With the show side, with the show side It's a new flood to me. Yo, 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 it's the Shelf Side Podcast, the fan-based podcast from the fans to the fans. I got my boy, Kwabna, in his dressing gown. In his dressing gown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my, I'm on my uh, Hugh Hefner swag. That's what I'm on right now. Is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like I didn't have a retort for that. I wasn't expecting that. Inspect the unexpected, man. You got to stay ready, so you never have to get ready. That's the whole thing, man. That's the whole thing. Yeah, I was gonna say bananas in pajamas, but it's a dressing gown. Maybe yeah, you're covering. Exactly. But you know, I actually need to stop moving so much because Lyra is gonna tell me that I sound like a packet of crisps. So <laughs> let me say, let me say, statue store. Let me you sound like some popcorn popping. No, do you know what? Lyra, first and foremost, yeah, I think there's a lot of fa- there's a bit of favoritism going on because I love how there's never anything wrong with your mic, innit? We've got the same setup. We've got the same setup. But <laughs> no, you, yeah, but no you one, don't have the same yeah, setup. Yeah, same setup, yeah. But Lyra never says that about you because you're obviously, you're, like you've made it clear to me before, innit? You're blood brothers, innit? So it's different. Oh Where's me? Where is me? I'm Where just is a guy. Where's coming from? Me, I'm just a guy. So Lyra is because, oh yeah, it sounds like you're the Chris Packet, bro. <laughs> Lyra, what if it's him? What if, what if it's Andrew? Where's Andrew? Do you ever think about that? <laughs> yeah, he did. Remember, we record separate audio. You know what? Yeah, you know what? Something For a reason. Something in the behind the curtain. Yeah, something in the behind the curtain. No, I have to. I, yeah, it's not about. We're not together. It's pandemic. It's, not, it's pandemic. Yeah, it's not right? about defending yourself, bro. It's not about defending. But yourself. think about it. If I didn't let them behind the curtain, wouldn't they be wondering why we're sitting together in a room and you've got your dressing gown on, Just getting your Hugh Hefner on? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, to be honest. These people who are listening to this right now are Tottenham fans, so they put up with a lot worse. So to be honest, I'm not even, I'm not even worried. I'm not even worried. <laughs> they have done indeed. Have done uh, it's episode 56, guys. Yeah, um, yeah. We're moving, moving rapidly to 100. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we're stopping the Kwabna game of um, which player is it? Because yeah, we can't really think of anybody in world <laughs> football who wears 56. Um, so we just uh... had that catch up off air. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not happening. I want to shout a new city in Australia this week, um, Preston in Australia. So shout out to you guys. Thank you. Uh, I think that's it for new cities for the last couple of weeks, actually. Okay. So we need to venture out a bit more. A few London cities, which I never really mentioned. So sorry, guys, but you know who you are. Um, thanks for joining as well. And to our regular listeners, we thank you. We thank you for staying with us, even in defeat, helping us through our therapy um, that we give each other because that's the only thing that we can do. That's it, man. It's been that is it. It's been it's been Eric Dyer at times. <laughs> so we have to oh, give ourselves something. Shameless. You and are I am shameless. shameless. I'm coming on to that. I'm coming on to that. But we'll, we'll save that. We'll save that. I had a good chat, good catch up with one of my peoples, male or female. I will not reveal down at the Tottenham Hotspurs, and all that to come. All that to come. But we have to dissect uh, a wolf. Or Wolves um, and the game that we had this week end. Did you watch the game? I didn't watch the game. I didn't watch the game. It was, 
you know, it reminded me of back in the day, you know, when you could see a position that we should beat and we never felt like losing. <laughs> it felt <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> it felt nice. Oh God, how we have fallen! But yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was nice to watch it like a comfortable game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I suppose we'll get into it. But yeah, it was, it was comfortable. So Mason stuck with the um, standard kind of formation that he's uh, started with, mm-hmm. and pretty much the standard lineup. I think it was, wasn't it? No changes. There were no changes. No, no it was changes. the same four-two-three-one. Bell, yeah. Delhi. Although um, Tanganga came go. in for Ori. He did the injury. That was the one I was trying to think of. Yeah. Tanganga came in. Finally, we got to see Tanganga um, under either manager this season uh, in a Premier League game. He came in. And still no Roden. But, <clears throat> like you say, we played... Excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. We played a Wolf side. And I don't know if we can actually call them Wolves. I think we should call them Wolf. Because I think there was a lone Wolf playing. Uh, who, who was that? Up front. Well, it depends how you look at it. So, in attack, I guess. Maybe there were two Wolves. But lone Wolf up front was Adamo Traore. And at the back, it was Connor Cody. Um, and Gary Neville, by the way, before we go on, you should be ashamed of yourself not being able to pick a man in the match when Hoybier got an assist and a goal and pretty much his, covered every play of the glass. His assist, his assist was delicious as well. Exactly. It was delicious. So, yeah. Connor Cody, I mean, he had quite a few clearances, interceptions, and he played well. But I don't know if you can give the man of the match to a centre-half and a side where a team lose 2-0. I know he did a lot to keep the score down, but still, I think you've got to go with a winning side. So yeah, be ashamed of yourself. 100%. Be ashamed. But yeah, so Conor Cody, uh, Lone Wolf at the back, and Adame Chore, Lone Wolf up front. And let's just look at this, right? Because you touched on the fact that we should be beating this side. And, I mean, we've struggled against Wolves, I think, over the last, um, well... For a long, for the longest time, the home side has not won this game. Yeah, which okay. is a weird stat, man. That was a really weird stat. Like, very, making very it like the Molineux. Why? Like, yeah, I don't know, man. Weird. <clears throat> very weird. Yeah, well, is an easy place to go, and then um, obviously White Hart yeah. Lane was not the fortress. But what Mason has done in his defence, like him or loathe him, um, or undecided, we have won three home games on the trot, which is the first time since we've done that um, in a long while. I think Harry Redknapp and somebody else were the only three recent managers to do that in the still, first I'm st- I'm set of st- games. I'm still hashtag Mason out. Uh, well, maybe it's not Mason out. Maybe that's the wrong hashtag because that would assume that he's in a permanent role there. No, right? I'm, 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 it's the right hashtag. It's inflammatory. <laughs> it's, the, it's inflammatory, it's, but it's directly... Um, a direct description, uh, articulation of how I feel. Yeah. Okay. Mason, Mason okay. not me. Okay. Well, Mason out beat a very limp wolf yeah, um, mate. this weekend. They, were, they are on the beach, bruv. They're, they're trying all kinds of things. There are people in the lineup that wouldn't regularly be there. And still, yeah. and he beat them 2-0, bruv. We should have banged them well, before. There, there were a lot of chances. Patricio got 7.7 on who scored it. He was good. So did Cody. Um, but just, just look at their lineup. They had that young Hoover at right back. I think he's a centre-half. Cody playing in a four. So they played a four instead of a five. We know they like to play a five. There was no bolly. Um, and they played Sayas, who I thought was a full-back. But maybe as a centre-back playing alongside Cody and has Semedo yeah. on the left who's obviously a right back 
Moutinho without Neves in the middle of the park played then Donka. And obviously, why I say they were a lone wolf, because if, if we look at their forward line, we know Jimenez has been injured for the longest time, that, that um, fatal, I say fatal, fatal is the wrong word, but that nasty head knock. Yeah, um, that's, that's season-ending injury. Yeah, we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, but they had no Podence, no Neto, who Neto's a threat any time he plays, and Podence has caused us problems on more than one occasion in the past for both sides that he's played for in recent years. So we expected to win. We did win. Uh, some decent performances. Uh, obviously, we've mentioned Hoybier, we've mentioned Kane. Uh, Delhi, I thought, did some good bits. Bell did some good bits. All round, like you say, a nice, comfortable victory. Do you think anybody stood out? Who was your man of the match? Uh, anything you noted of note? Um, I thought man of the match was a tight one. I thought it could have been Delhi, it could have been Hobia, but Hobia's contributions were telling because they resulted in actual goals, right? So those goals win games. He made one. He he made one. He scored one. He was he kept control in midfield, which was good, and he provided a platform for which Dele could go off and do what he did. Like it was good, man. I think the comfortable. The nice thing about this game was that we were comfortable the whole time, and that's in a midfield where I think the the has actually been quite poor like the last couple of games, um, but he looks a little better this game, um, and so and I think Mason's clearly decided that. You have to choose between Ndombele and um, and the Celso, and he's chosen the Celso. Um, I think on the basis of that, the midfield worked, but they weren't tested. They weren't tested. Um, we've seen that when they when they're pressed, when they are when they are forced into making quick decisions and being snappy about it, it doesn't work as well, like we saw um, against Leeds. But look, I think it's it's really it's really weird because we're in this part of the season where we're kind of fighting for something but we're kind of not and we're trying to get into Europe but we also know it's kind of not going to happen because it's not in our hands and it's like it's that weird place where you can't really decide to just start playing people and giving them auditions because you still got stuff to play for so it's kind of weird but um, all that said I think Hobio was a standout I thought and there was a hand, there was a standout um, and the rest were like just okay man I thought Maryland did well um, at times as well but there was no one like really that really stood up beyond those three I'd say and that's even with Kane like Kane Kane was decent but it's always relevant, relative to the standard of the player you're talking about right so for Kane it was a decent game it wasn't special didn't pull up any trees uh, he snatched out a couple of chances for sure but you know he's good he he had um, he, he hit the, he hit the woodwork like it was okay it was alright but all in all, I would say that those were, those three stood out to me the most. Okay. Is there anything there that you can see that we can use going forward? Is there any platforms being laid down that we can take into the last two games? Because you were talking about this halfway house where we are. But let me remind you and everybody listening, well, by the time you listen to this, it may be utter garbage. But at the time of record on Monday evening we can still make top four. 
right? It's not mathematically impossible for us to make top four. Don't give me that look. Um, I know that it's unlikely, and I'm old enough and wise enough <laughs> and been a Spurs fan long enough to know that it's probably going to end up with us missing out on top four by two points and us regretting every bad result we've had every over the season. <clears throat> but as it stands today, it is mathematically possible for us to get top four. What is in our hands, though, is Europa League as we sit six. We have a better goal difference than uh, West Ham, Everton. We are ahead of them in the table. So we can get Europa League if we win our last two games. So what is the platform we can take from this? Is there anything we should take from this to go into the Villa game on Wednesday and then Leicester game at the end of the season? I think one thing that we need to take from this is you don't have to choose between Le Celso and Ndombe. I think what you need to do is choose between Delhi and Le Celso because Dele's ability to make short, quick, snappy passes is what you need in the Raza area, right? And he's shown a willingness and ability to do that, which is what we typically thought we would get from... The salsa, but I won't ask you factors that like he he like he pointed out a few times like he's he's a, a dribbler like he's to ca- he likes to carry the ball at his feet right yeah but what Dele, Dele can also carry the ball at his feet but he makes those snap snappy quick passes so if you are going to look at the comparison I think you need to choose between those two and on current form Dele is better right and then so you should drop the salsa in favour of Ndombele because even though Ndombele that obviously carries the ball well, dribbles well, etc. He's not afraid to to hit a quick, incisive pass, which is something that the Celso doesn't do. So for me, yeah. it's not a question of between the Celso and Dominic that everyone's saying. I think you need to choose between Dele and the Celso. And so I think that actually with everyone everyone's on form in terms of what they bring to the table, the most the most unique and effective blend that I think other midfields will struggle to deal with if we have three in the middle is to have Dele and Ndombele and Hobia. Especially, especially also like the composure and strength that Ndombele has on the ball actually provides a platform and a bit of a breather for Hobia. And he's been absolutely shattered and it's been shown in his, in his, um, in his performances. Yeah, he found a second wind on um, Saturday, Sunday, um, which was good. But you're obviously I agree with you because we're Dombele fans on this show. Um, we're not anti La Celso, but we don't think La Celso's hit his stride since the return from injury. But I guess these are Mason's decisions, right? You said that there's nobody really auditioning in the in the players. So it's, we've got something to play for. But I tell you, one man is in auditioning mode, and that is Mason himself. He's making decisions. He's making decisions by not playing Rodon by not playing um, Dombele, by playing uh, Winks in the League Cup final, by dropping Bell for the League Cup final. He's making some big decisions. Whether they're right or wrong, he's making them. He's not being afraid to make his decisions. And he's making comments and statements, uh, unashamedly talking about Delhi's performance. He's mentioned Skippy being a great player and coming back next season and doing big things. So he's speaking his mind. He's showing his mind with his selection. 
do you think he can do anything between now and the se- end of the season to get him the job? Do you think he this is just an audition for somewhere else? Or do you think he knows that he's just going to go back and manage the 23s and his time will come? Uh, I don't think there's anything he can do to secure the job. I think I think they know that it's, it's, it's too much too soon. And I think that's part of the reason why he was given it, because they know they can take it away from him with ease. Um, and, and for him to accept that, you know, it's been taken away from him because it's just come too early. I think for someone else with more experience, it's more of a conversation. And that if that person gets, is it taken away from them, they have to reevaluate their position at the club in their future. Right, with Mason, you can take the job away from me. He's not going to say, I'm going to leave to find a, a first-team gig because I'm, I'm worth it. He's not going to do that. So, yes, for me, there's no way he should get it and there's no way, there's no reason why he should do Because whilst it's a bit... Um, whilst it's a bit premature, and right now it's quite cool to hire the young, you know, new coaches, right, to believe that they can do something. Like, a lot of those coaches in other countries have had, like, real graft. Right, they've done. They've they've been plugging away in some way, shape, or form. Right, you look at Sacramento, and when he first came to the Spurs, and people people were talking about him. If you look at his his footballing CV and what he's what he's studied, what he's achieved, and his approach to learning the game, it's light years ahead of ahead of Mason, and he's only like you know a few years older. So, yeah, to me, I think it's very clear that he's got a lot to learn. And look, it's not slighting him, like his time will come, man. But it doesn't matter how much of a feel good factor people think it brings having someone who used to be um, a player at the club and understands and loves it full like he's made he's made tactical errors in this time, just in this in these few last few games that have shown that he's not ready. And when you have a squad that's aging the way ours is, you can't have someone like that at the helm because some point people gonna start asking questions. So yeah. Yeah, no fair points, all good points. Uh, I agree. I don't think he's ready. I think he will come again. I just think he will do himself. I mean, if we get into the Champions League, which is impossible, but if we do, then that would be great for his CV. He didn't manage to back the cup. But the rumours, and as I mentioned or touched on at the start of the show, caught up with one of my insiders at Tottenham recently I had a good old chat i wish i had my um came like a proper journal and had my um little dictator or little recording device ready but um got some great insight and and the belief within inside the club is that mason is doing a good job he's uh, got a great future which i think is clear that's why they gave him the first team role um and yeah i think he will be manager one day if his trajectory continues in this um, way. One, one thing they did point out, and I've got a few little snippets here, I'm just going to run through all of them, but one thing you did point out, which is interesting because I had heard this um, from other sources, is that, um, and what I heard from other sources was when Jose left Man United, a lot of people, when they came in, when Ole came in and his staff, they realised they had inherited a squad that wasn't fit, right? That was undercooked for the rigours of the Premier League. And Mason came in. I don't know if he's used those words, but what, what has been clear and evident is that 
the intensity at which the players trained at during time under Jose wasn't intense enough. Okay, and you've heard the old adage, you will play how you train. And ultimately, we didn't play with intensity. Okay, he spoke of the press and the lack of press. Well, you're not going to press well if you don't train on the press and you don't have intensity in your play. So the two things that were pointed out is that we didn't train with any intensity and Mason came in straight away, recognized that. And the training sessions have been a lot more intense and a lot more fun. And although they seem to have fun under Jose, I'm not saying he didn't instill any fun, but the intensity is something that we won't get to see the benefit of because you don't just go from three weeks yeah. of intense training yeah. to become an intense site. Yeah. So unfortunately, we won't get to see the benefit of that. But what we can hope is that come next season, um, obviously, whoever the new manager is carries on that kind of intensity, obviously after a short break, into the preseason, And that is part of the attributes and identity that we carry through to next season so so that was one of the things um and the other thing was that jose kind of gave the players a bit of autonomy which um was a bit strange considering what we know of jose but apparently he allowed them to make their own decisions about certain things fitness decisions uh warm-up decisions uh, treatment decisions, etc. And under Poch, you couldn't do that. Under Poch, it was almost a, dictor- a dictatorship in terms of... It was dictatorship's not the right word, but more like a parent-child relationship. And I had heard this, and I think you heard this too with Poch. Yeah. He made sure everyone shook hands mm-hmm. with each other, greeted each other, made sure everyone, if they were in um, the canteen, said hello to everybody. Um one of the things, apparently, you didn't have to get dressed under Jose to go into the canteen, whereas under Poch, you had to be dressed at all times. So there was kind of that setting the foundation, setting the um, discipline right, so making sure they were all one and respected each other. And under Jose, it didn't seem like that was a little case. And um, it's the thought is and the feeling within the club is that um, the players were kind of... Re- rebelling or and didn't know why they were rebelling because they had this autonomy so they they were choosing not to to do their warm-ups choosing not to do their physio treatment um their dietary um, treatments and under potch if there were any issues players not going to the physio doing what they needed to do you just had to speak to um, jesus perez and that was it Yeah, yeah, yeah he would lay down the smack but there's none of that. There was none of that under Jose. So that could explain a few things. Um, some of the things I'm going to talk about, it could explain some of the fitness issues we've had. Um, so there's there's talk of Don Bele, um, why he's not playing. And apparently there is a real concern that he may not be able to maintain fitness or play intensive football in the Premier League for the entire season because what he's 24 25 now and this would be his first season at this intensity at this level right yeah in Liga it he didn't have to play at this intensity for so long and there's a real concern that his body will not withstand this kind of football 
over the long term. And that would suggest that right now he's not fit enough to be playing. So that's potentially why we're not seeing him. But there's a contradiction in that because Lacelso apparently is a shit trainer. And Sonny apparently had a go at him the other day and said to him, you train shit, you play shit. Um, so which that, was interesting. I have some professional pride. Why should anyone feel they should tell you you're a shit trainer? Like, why should anyone feel like you are so shit during training that they can pull you aside and be like, you're trash at this? At training, are you joking? And son of all people, that tells you something. And and it kind of, you see it with LaCelso at the moment. He isn't buzzing around. He isn't even breaking the lines like he used to. So there is something going on there. And but what what um, my mate said was like there's a whole before I get back onto the fitness thing there's a whole kind of culture he feels at the club and obviously Jose came in couldn't turn them around that they're not winners and it's it comes down from the top it comes down from Levy he thinks Levy's done a great job in terms of the infrastructure and everything else but the DNA within the club is not that of a winning club. And obviously, we know what Leicester did this um, past weekend by winning the FA Cup, and we'll come on to that. Um, but there is a real feeling that their mentality needs to shift. And there's also no leaders. He said there's not enough leaders at the club. Um, no one really talks. said Hugo's quiet. No one pulls anybody up. So that was what Son did the other day, and that was kind of a breath of fresh air. Um, but we're not seeing it enough. Um he noticed that when Coco came on, Lamella played on snow in the Leeds game. I think we touched on it in the pod. And he did three crap things that nobody even batted an eyelid or even said anything or pulled him up. He tried to rebone a pass and it went out. And everyone was like, oh, that's Coco. Crack on. And things like that are not really what we need to see. Um, somebody who doesn't speak as much as we probably thought they did, actually, was Ho- is Hoybier. Which yeah, that, would be I, interesting. I actually, I actually can picture him not talking that much. Well, apparently he wants to talk. Um, from the interview I saw when he first came in, I thought he would be talking, but he he actually has said that he doesn't feel like he has earned the right or has been here long enough to talk. Um, which is very interesting because hopefully. He feels more comfortable, feels more established next season. And it's probably given some, if Kane leaves or there's a shake-up, if he doesn't get a captain's armband, he should be vice-captain. And hopefully that will give him the impetus to speak because he seems like somebody who can really shake things up and give people rollicking if they're doing shit. Yeah, I mean, we've seen, yeah. we've seen him do it. Like We've seen him just... Um... The game before last, um, we saw him like switch on Regulon for like making a dumb. No, no, maybe that's in the final actually. I think that was in the final where he made like Regulon made the overlapping run and uh, and Hoybier had the ball and he tried to play it through to him and Regulon just didn't run and he was like, "What are you doing?" He was just screaming at him. But I think he's one of those guys who you don't you don't. This sounds. This sounds a bit stupid, but you don't give him the captain's armband because he's someone who's going to display traits of leadership and demanding anyway. more of people anyway. Whereas some, some other people, you need to give them the, the, the captain's armband to get them to step up to that level. So that's what I would say about him. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, yes, if we have that type of player that can utilise the captain's armband to come out of their shell, then by all means. But if at the moment he would be the captain 
and I think he was going to be the unofficial captain anyway um, next season, um, whether we like it or not. A couple of other things that were mentioned um, is that Dyer's just not good enough. Nobody knows why he's playing. Um, Aurier should be better than he is. He's got all the physical attributes to be a beast of a right back, but he's um, a bit clueless. Um, people, people are not sure about. Like, can go it, people not gonna understand that coaching is a big part of like football. Like people look at yes. this guy and go, oh, this person can run fast, or this person can jump high, or this person can kick the ball really hard, and that's it. You still have to be coached. You still have to be coached. This idea—it's like the second we got Mourinho in as a manager. People just stop thinking about the value of coaching. They're making out like they they can't remember when Danny Rose was at Sunderland and then people were like, he's not going to do anything at Tottenham. And he, mm-hmm. he went on to become mm-hmm. one of the best left-backs in our history. People are going on like when people are saying, oh yeah, Kyle Walker, Kyle Norton, we can't really tell the difference between them. They're both, the, they're both a bit clueless, but Kyle Walker's a little bit faster. Like, Kyle Walker came, became one of the best right-backs in the league. Like, in the world. In, in the world. In the world. In the world. You're right. You're in absolutely the world. In the world. It's just this idea that you don't have to coach players, that they should just be good. It's so ridiculous. When I see things going when I see things on Twitter all the time, oh yeah, they said it was they said it was Jose when it was just the players. They said it was Jose when it was just the players. If those guys had gone off and won, would anyone be saying that it was um it was the players? They'll be the saying players. they were saying that no. Jose was the one who turned us into winners. So if he's failing, why is it not his responsibility? In this day and age, all the best coaches that I've revered have markedly made players better. And even the top 100%. players, even the top players take it to another level. Pep took De Bruyne to another level. He took Laporte to another level. He took Sterling to another level. He took, he took Jesus to another level. Like, he's done that over and over again, right? The same thing with what Klopp did with Henderson. Right, took him to another level. Oh, I've, yeah. I've always rated, yeah. I've always rated Van Dijk. But for Van Dijk to be as imperious as he is in that defence, is no joke. Salah to another level. Like, you look at these players and it's funny, money. it's money, and it's funny because you look at so, some of those players are players, the same players that Mourinho had. He had a De Bruyne, he had a Salah, he had a Salah. right? Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out because they needed coaching and when they got coaching, they excelled. If you don't get coaching, you can't be successful. You can't. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we touched on this last week. It's, it's coaching, it's systems, it's understanding is methods, right? If you get all of those, then you stand a chance, right? Because you're, you're a collective, you have one vision, one idea, one voice, and they're coaching you to play better, to utilize your abilities and attributes better, and then in a system that will bring the most out of you, right? Um, and maybe in a different position than you actually thought you might play, like Carl Walker playing inside right. Inside right. Um, it's, and and he, oh. he, because of the coaching, he's now got the tactical, he's tactically astute enough to play some of these positions. People even spoken to spoken about him playing centre-back, right? Because he understands and can read the game to a certain level that he couldn't do before. And that's huge. Yeah. That is huge. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'm just going to um, finish on some more fitness. Um, no, I mentioned Winks. Not sure about Winks inside the club. They think he's stalled. And again, that's down to lack of coaching, lack of development. Bergwijn uh, apparently is not doing... He's overweight and is not taking home and doing his extra fitness that he's supposed to be doing. And I think he's got two baby mums and one of them's hassle or something like that. I don't know. That's kind of a bit of a rumour. Uh, Davies apparently is fit, but not prepared to play. Um, rumours that he's holding out for the Euros, which mm, could be surprising. And there is real belief that um, Anderson, Joachim Anderson at Fulham. Yeah. 
is coming to the club. Uh, I believe personal terms have actually been agreed. Uh, but it's down to Levy and his willingness to buy a centre back or buy somebody for more than five million. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll watch this space. And obviously, there was a rumour that we're buying another centre back um, from Marseille. Um, but I think he's too short. Um, and then apparently, this was a bit of a nugget. Apparently, Eddie Howe was actually interviewed for a job at Spurs at some point. And um, he won't be interviewed again for this role because they thought he was a joke. Um, not necessarily him, but his right-hand man was a bit of a clown. Uh, oh, wow, okay. But, yeah. But apparently, Scotty Parker not is... Yeah, but he's he's been looked at as, a, as no, an option. Not interested. Which is, could be worrying. Dumb. This is not the time to like. This is just not the time to roll the dice. Like, we've already like gone so further behind. We need people who've got fresh ideas, have got a a history of not just competency, right? A history of implementing ideas amongst a certain level footballer and taking them to another level. That's what we need. Because like, we have to remember yeah. that we're just not going to spend money like other clubs are going to spend money. And even when it's not even that much of a difference, we'll still probably take the cheaper option. So you need someone who's going to be able to coach and have a proven track record of making players better. If you don't have that, we're going to be doomed to make the same mistakes. The same mistakes. It's like, yeah. come on. I mean, I don't know much about Anderson. I haven't watched him closely at all this season. Um, I don't know if you rate him. Do you rate him? He's look good. He's definitely good. I think I think he's definitely one that fits the mould. He's tall. He's dominant in the air. He's decent on the ball. Um, he's young. Um, I think his parent club is Leon. Yeah. So it's yeah, good yeah. Pe- pedigree, and mates with Hoybier. So I think he will transition well. He's played in the Premier League. He lives in London. Um, currently, obviously playing for Fulham. So I, I think the transition will be smooth. And I think he could come in and do a job. He's certainly going to be better than Dyer. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Dyer's got to go. That's a start. Dyer's got to go, man. He's got to go. Come on. And I think we need to get one one other. I think we probably, there's talks of Ginta, but we've been linked with him for a while. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about him either. I also haven't watched him closely. Do we rate him? Not recently. Not recently. I mean, it's tricky with the German centre-backs because they come with... It's being German, I think they get a kind of premium and you think they're going to be good. And you look at someone like Mustafi, who was in the World Cup squad not too long ago, he looked good. And he's obviously fallen away. I guess Rudiger looked good, fell off, but has come back. Um, Boateng, I mean, he's looked good for them, but then we've seen Boateng of late. I know he's a bit older, but he doesn't look so good. Um, I mean, he, he, he he's considerably older than he was. And at, yeah. at his peak, he was... Top two, top three centre backs in the world. I, I I believe so. I, I do believe so. Um, and just his fall off, I guess, his reliant on pace a little bit as well. Um, Hummels, I thought Hummels was supposed to be outstanding, but um, I mean he's fallen off a little bit at Dortmund, but obviously Dortmund are not baying. But I don't know. I think Ginta, I haven't seen or Ginta, I haven't seen enough of. Well, I've seen him. He's he's done well. Um, but I would take two. I would take both. To be honest, we, we need to freshen it up. Toby's probably not going to play much next season. Um, and Dyer shouldn't just be playing football at all, really. Uh, 
honestly, like that's that I'm done with that experiment, mate. I really am. Yeah, the DAG experiment is is definitely done, done, and done. So, but you touched on somebody who can um, has an idea, can improve players, etc., etc. Has a winning kind. I mentioned the winning, but a winning kind of philosophy. Maybe he's won something. Maybe somebody who's won something this season. Maybe he's won won something last season, season before that, and season before that, and the season before that. Um, Brendan Rodgers uh, obviously won't come. But Brendan Rodgers is the type of manager that we want to be looking for. Somebody who can implement a system and win something. And of course, Leicester won the FA Cup, as we touched on. Tielemon, somebody we've rated and mentioned and were hopeful to buy at one point. Scored the winning goal and what winning goal that was. But what it meant was that Leicester have now won the FA Cup and the league in the last, was it four or five seasons? Yeah. And the memes that have been going around um, that Peter Smichael, since the last time he won the league and FA Cup, he's had a son who's grown up to win the league and the FA Cup before Spurs have won a trophy of significance, or the FA Cup, or the league. And the memes are killing me right now. And Leicester are legitimate top six side, going to qualify potentially for the Champions League again um, this season. And... One of the things I'm thinking is if Leicester weren't based in Leicester, but Leicester City were based in London, would they be a bigger side than Tottenham? I don't think so. Think about that. Don't, don't no, say no, it with do, your heart. Do you know I think, the reason I say I don't think so right now is because I think you also have to have like a consistent um, period of, of dominance and success, right? So they won the league, for sure. Then they went mm-hmm. through a bit of a transitional phase. Um, mm-hmm. Then they came back up. Like if you think about the times in which they finished above Tottenham, they finished above us once in winning the league, right? The rest of the time, uh, and then this sorry this season, um, and I think last season, last, and last, last season, yeah, so this season, last, last season, season yeah. right? They um, they would have finished above us, right? So I think in recent times, yeah. But then when you base when you think about it, like overall as a club, you're not just your last five years. Do you see what I mean? That's not what you are as a club. And what are you? What are you? Yo, are you're, you're, as a, as a club, you're a combination of all your history, man. It's not like, like it's when people talk about, oh yeah, Tottenham haven't won any European trophies. I'm like, we're the first English side to win the European trophy. It's like people say, oh yeah, um, Chelsea are garbage. They've got no history, and I'm like, you're saying that, but they've won five league titles, and whether, it doesn't matter whether they paid for them or not. That success, you can't take that away from them. They've won Champions League. They've gone into the Champions League at the same time. Like, people constantly talk about how our oh, Man City, yeah, garbage club, they've got their own history. They've only been re- winning recently. Cool. They've been winning. But at one point, at one point, this is this is now their history, right? They've won those things. So you can't just dismiss that. You can't just be a prisoner of the moment. So for me, right now, I don't think that they would be. Um, like, in terms of the entirety of their club. But all that whole, that whole biggest bigger club thing is a misnomer to me like I'm not really fussed I don't care about being the biggest club I want to be the most successful sometimes those things cross over and sometimes they don't and sometimes they don't Liverpool had the most league titles in the, in the country for a very long time right and they were they were in the United shadow for the whole of the 90s uh, and the early 2000s and, and, the, and the 2000s they were but second they win one league title and it brings it back to 18 again people are talking like they're back on the same level that's how quickly things can change. So yeah, me, I don't currently think that they would be a better, big, bigger team than Tottenham. The same way us be, being bigger, being um, better than Arsenal the past however many seasons hasn't made us a bigger, hasn't made us a bigger club. They've got more league titles than us. They've they've won more silverware. Like 
they've, I, I hate to say it, but they've been more successful. So, how are we measuring these things? How are we cutting this up? Like, that's how it comes out to for me. Like, I don't really think about the whole, the whole bigger club thing. But if you are pushed, it can't just be recent, right, recency-wise because Tottenham have got things in their history that no one can take away, right? No one can take away. They've made big moves. And that doesn't disappear. Because one day, when, like, Arsenal fans are, like, you know, 70, 80, and people are talking to them about if Tottenham are a bigger club, even if Tottenham have won a couple of league titles by them, like, they'll be like, oh, I remember when we went unbeaten, or I remember when this happened, or that happened. They're Liverpool fans who say that to Man United fans all the time. Like, yeah, you won Premier League titles, but before you were winning Premier League titles, we were dominating. Because every dog has its day. So, yeah, me, Leicester, not right now. They could do in time, so, but not right now. Okay. Are we bigger than Everton? Are we a bigger club than Everton? Mm, I think currently, like on global fan, if you want to, do, it depends how you do it, right? So no, you history, can't change your argument. You know, I'm not talking about yeah. like, when you talk about history. We're not a bigger club than Everton. They've got more league titles. I think Everton have got four or three. Yeah, probably more. I there were four yeah. or three um, um, titles. Um, uh, I think that their their fan base has dwindled purely because like Liverpool are the other team in that city. So. They've got they're, they're bigger historically in terms of their 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 trophies and success, and they're bigger in terms of their fan base, right? Because as the Premier League became more prevalent and TV rights and all that kind of stuff, global exposure at that time they were dominating. So that's also got to be taken into consideration. But the history wise, history wise, trophy wise, whatever, yeah, they're bigger. I mean, there's an argument that Nottingham Forest are bigger, if you want to argue it like that. Yeah, Oscar's I was mean? going to say Forest, Champions League, European Cup. If you want to talk about and you want to talk about like, that kind of success, then yeah, you can do that. But then in terms of, in terms of like, the size of your club, you've got to think about, you've got to think about not only your trophies, you need to think about your global impact. That's why when people are talking, making all those moves about Tottenham being in the Super League, it's like, you're idiots. You're idiots. It's about the most powerful influential clubs with the biggest fan bases that's what people are interested in they're not asking oh how many trophies you've got okay you've got you've won five trophies so you can come in the Super League no no because if you're doing it like that they would have got Preston North End to come in because they flipping did the double <laughs> whenever they did it or they would have brought Nottingham Forest to come and do it because they won uh, Champions League twice something the other. Yeah, do you know what I mean they would have done those things but the fact of the matter is right now when you're looking at the impact influence size of um, size of followership all that kind of stuff Tottenham are right there they're right there. So that's why they were... That's Ninth richest club in the world. Yeah, so, Ninth richest so, club in the world. Like people who are yeah. just short-sighted, like those fans who just get upset and start chatting shit for no reason. Like that's... You can't... You can't come and say, oh, Tottenham doesn't say because they're not a big club. Tottenham are a massive club. We're not winning stuff. And if we weren't a big club, us not winning things would not be an issue. No one would care. No one would care. But when you're big and you have a certain level of... A brand of football, you have a certain level of players... You have a stadium, a training facility. Not winning is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. If we're at a stage where not winning was cool and it was calm, then you can say we're a small club. Then you can say we're a small club. Then you can say it doesn't matter. Right? But the fact that people are talking about all the time about how Tottenham aren't winning things, yet we are, maybe, maybe we put the pressure on or we challenge by getting to finals and we don't actually get over the line. If we weren't a big team, people would just be like, you know what, to be fair to them, they tried. No one's saying that about. No one's saying about Tottenham. They're telling us to win. They're telling us to win because that's the size of the club. People should think about that. Okay. Are well, you sure you haven't got boxing trunks on under that? Um, I'm ready to scuff it out. I'm, so I'm ready. I'm ready. Girl. I'm ready to scuff it out because people are just like. I think people are crazy. Like, I, I think it's the memes have been getting to yeah, you as well. Do you know what my thing is? Right. If I'm being completely honest, Leicester is 
run in a way I would love Tottenham City. They're a better run. club. Yeah, they've they've run, they run in a in a footballing sense, right? So what Tottenham have done off the pitch, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. Is whoa, 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 whoa! You say that. Leicester have got a brand new stadium. Yeah. It's not as big and beautiful as ours, but they're, they're not in London. Yeah. They don't have the traditional fan base. Leicester have just built a training ground which is comparable to ours. Yeah. So on and off the field, they seem to be doing the right things. No, they're doing the right things. But look, they don't have the, you, you said they don't have the same stadium as us, right? They're outside, mm-hmm. they're, outside of, um, they're outside of London, so you could argue that it'd actually be cheaper for them to build it that way. We built it, like, yeah. we built it in, the, in the heart of London, let's be real. When you when you walk through the ends and you see, and you see White Hart Lane just there plotting in the middle of N17, it's mad, it's mad. Right? No, it is, so, it is. But one of those you have to bear in mind. You have to bear in mind this London. There is a London bias. There is London is such, uh, and guys who listen outside London, don't take this wrong way. London is bigger than pretty much the rest of the country, right? In terms of. The money that's generated in the capital, the opportunities that are available in the capital. But that's my the point. F- f- the appeal. That, that's my point. So being able to pull off that this stadium where it was where it was built is a sign of like of how big the ambitions of the club is, right? So outside mm-hmm. outside of what's happening on the pitch, there are few things, there are few ways in which you can argue how tournament being managed, right? The problem is what's happening on the pitch. And that's where Leicester just excelled. They've made signings. They've made smart signings over and over and over again. When they've had to recycle mm-hmm. players, they've recycled players. They've made the right managerial choices. They've got a they've got a, a back room, a back staff and a boardroom who are committed to the development of the success on the pitch. Right? Joe Lewis has made it clear. He's not fussed about what happens on the pitch. As long as Tottenham are making money, he's cool. He's cool. He can do that. Like I think Levy wants success. But he doesn't want success at the, at the expense of his job because the first thing is to make Tottenham <laughs> commercially viable. Very true. Right? And like we said before... Which unless, he has done. Yeah, which he has done. He's done a fantastic job of doing that. But unfortunately, you and I, we don't give a crap about that because that money doesn't go in our pockets. The money we give to Tottenham is to feel the joy of winning things and success on the pitch. That's why we put our money down for tickets. That's why we put our money down for kits. That's why we... Not 60 quid though the, for the Villa well, game. Boy, I won't be doing that. Boy. Even that is a mad. Even that is a mad thing. They should be just doing it for free. But well, anyway, like even that, right? That's why we do these things. So for me, what Leicester have done on the pitch, if signings from everyone from Fofana to Indidi, like to Madison, these are all players that Tottenham have like looked at or been kind of linked to. But they go out and they Tielemans. do it. Tielemans, yeah. Tielemans, like Tielemans, is what Winks thinks he is. <laughs> Oh my days, I wish Winks was that. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But the guy is, and the thing is, we've all known he's good since he was at Anderlecht. I could have told you he was good. It was like flipping when yeah. Ericsson came, people were like, oh my gosh, this guy's really good. We all knew Ericsson was good. It was amazing that we even got him. It was amazing that we got, yeah, it got was. him. Because once in a blue moon, we get it right. But unfortunately, we don't get it right often enough. Leicester's recruitment policy has been good. Like, look, Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell, mm-hmm. we, we, we obviously didn't stick with him for long enough, blah, blah. He was successful before he came to us. He came to us. Um, it didn't go it didn't go badly, but it didn't go extremely well. He's now gone off to, um, to Leipzig, and he's killing it. Like... Yeah, it's funny. the funny thing is, right, you're just making me re- remember some of my conversation, but you made some good points there. I just want to jump on real quick yeah, because we run out yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah. 
but you, you touched on the Joe Lewis, and 100% right. Joe Lewis is in the property, he's in the investment business. So by us building the stadium and building the um, training facility was typical Joe Lewis. It wasn't about the football at all. It's about building infrastructure, building property that's now worth value and will increase in value because that's the investment. I'm not going into a football club to do a Roman Abramovich and invest my hard-earned money in order to win trophies because I can't take trophies with me. That doesn't grow my wealth. Well, not directly in the same ratio that um, a billion-pound state-of-the-art stadium infrastructure building property would do. Okay, so when they go to sell, you can't sell trophies, but you can sell a stadium, you can sell a training facility, you can sell the ninth richest club in the world. So that is Joe Lewis. We need to really understand that and appreciate that and understand the point you made about Levy loving winning trophies less than he does keeping his job. Okay, so just something to bear in mind. Paul Mitchell apparently is a chancer. He got lucky. He didn't recruit Delhi. And do you know who recruited Delhi? David Pleat David Pleat was the one that said we will get Delhi he was like I don't want Delhi and if David Pleat didn't push for Delhi Delhi wouldn't have been at the club David Pleat apparently has an eye for young players he's been scouting young players for Spurs for some time but for some reason they've moved away from him and they're not picking the players he's suggesting, suggesting but he can pick a player so just one Word of note, if we get David Pleat in, maybe we can find that young player or those young players well, again. We need, to get someone. we need to get someone in. Yep, yep, yep. Well, we're going to need someone to replace Kane because every rumour now we're going to see from now until the end of the season throughout and after the Euros when he came for his top scorer in England win the European Championships <laughs> um, <laughs> is that Kane wants to leave. Kane wants to leave. So, firstly... If Kane does leave, which club would you want him to go to? Um, Man City. Snap. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. And why is that? Uh, he'll go there. He'll play good football for a manager that um, for a manager that I really respect. Um, it's it's. I, I think for all the money that Man City has spent on that kind, of, I find I actually think Man City are extremely likable. Like they're likable in a way that you know. When Liverpool won the league, I, d- I don't know why, but just Klopp was just thought Klopp sometimes, I, he's one of those guys, I think he, you love him if he's your manager, but sometimes when he's not your manager, you can see dickhead traits, right? Um, I think Man United, I'm just sick of Man United using the rest of the league as their um, development development um, youth squad. Second uh, Premier League striker is, is decent, they're coming by him. And it's happened, like, whenever any player has played well for us, Man United have either been in a lull they buy they buy one of our players and they will win a trophy the following season so when they signed um, Sheridan they went on to win Champions League when they Trouble. when they signed um, Berbatov they went on to win the league and Carrick when they Your signed, when they signed, when they signed Carrick. Carrick they went on to win the league after that um, so I'm just like I just I'm sick of that bull crap I don't want to see that there's too many there's too, and there's too many Man United fans as well to 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 so it would just piss me off. I don't know many Man City fans because exactly. they, they will actually live in Manchester. So, um, so there's that. So yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see. And I know, I know how important breaking Premier League records there are to him. So he's not going to leave the Premier League. If he's going to stay, he should he should definitely go to the city. Like that's what I would, that's what I could make peace with. I'm. Not, I know he wouldn't even consider going to Chelsea because 
he just wouldn't and he doesn't he knows he doesn't need to so Levy won't do that deal no no no, no. yeah I mean if they couldn't get Modric they're definitely not getting Kane so I think I think Man City could could be done I thought that the the sale to of Walker to City was fairly amicable so that could be done but yeah man look Agreed. if if Kane goes obviously I don't want Kane to go but if he goes I don't hold any grudges against him like I said it on this podcast before like he's been a great servant and it gets to a certain stage you want you want new things you want to change things look I love my job right now but if someone's going to pay me twice as much to do less work and to be more successful I'm going to take that job I'm going to take that job and I don't think it should be different for Harry Kane it's nice you know talking about the podcast job no 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 no, 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 no we don't pay you but I think I think the thing with Kane is that it's, it's, it's no different man he's shown great I, I, there's been finals where he hasn't turned up there's no denying that but then there have been like numerous games that we don't win without him so you know players they come and go man I've seen a lot of great players leave Tottenham and at the end of the day those players they come they go Tottenham is still standing so yeah man he can go and he goes he goes with best of luck man I wish nothing but success for him and if he stays yeah. if he stays then let's have another go at building something beautiful but either way I'm not going to lose I'm not going to lose sleep on whether Harry Kane stays or goes I'm just not I've been a, well. I've been a Tottenham fan for too long the irony is that in the last 10, 15 years, two probably of the two world-class players that will probably go down as legends who we've had at the club um, have led us to no trophies. Yeah. And that's Bell and Kane. Yep. Yeah. And even them together has led us to no trophies. So, Yes, we may not be as competitive. Yes, we may not have the world-class player. But I tell you what, if we get the money for him, we just need to make sure we invest it wisely. We need to buy two strikers because Vinicius is leaving or we're not renewing him or buying him for that money. So two strikers, Andre Silva, one other perhaps. Yeah. Um, and the centre-half and the midfielder would be good. But... But obviously, no one would want to say, Kane, here, pack your bags. But if you're going to give us the money and he has a desire to go, go City. We don't have to worry about you. Go and win the league. Go and win your trophies and let us rebuild. And the thing is, to me, is like, I completely agree with you, but not until we get a director of football in. Get a director of football well, in. Exactly. Sell him for as much money as you can. Then, then authorize a rebuild with, uh, with that. What's the guy from Lille again? Campos. Campos. Yeah, just give him, give him the thing, bro. And let's, and let's go again. I would actually be excited about that. I would. Yes, but apparently Campos, Man United, someone else sniffing around Campos. So we may have missed the boat on that one as well. Whoa, oh, no, that never happens to us. We always get it right. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I think you should sign us up, Kwabna. Guys. Thank you for listening to my rants. I appreciate it. You guys give me therapy and hopefully I give you some too. Um, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please remember to leave us a review. Five stars only because we only give you five star content. You know it makes sense. You can follow us on The Shelf Pod on Twitter. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for uh, rolling with us, guys. We're heading towards the end of the season. Um, but uh, you're still here and we appreciate that. So it's a good night from me. And it's a good night from me. And even if Kane leaves, guys, remember, it's okay. Because the sun always shines on the south side. Lero, run that outro. Side, 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 side